We'll hear argument first this morning, number 02-1609, the City of Littleton versus Z.J. Gifts. Mr. Nathan. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case presents the narrow issue of the judicial review appropriate for a license denial under Littleton's ordinance, where clear objective standards guide the City's quick and guaranteed decision to grant or deny a license and render that decision subject to effective review in the courts. As FWPBS has made clear, none of the three risks the Court has articulated to justify the extraordinary remedy of a mandated judicial deadline exist here. Those risks are the government will err in line drawing between protected and unprotected speech, self-censorship stemming from a censor's decision that speech is not protected, and foot-dragging when the government is the plaintiff seeking to vindicate its decision to censor. Instead, where the decision to grant or deny a license for expressive activity is bounded by valid time, place, and manner considerations, this Court has held that certiorari review is appropriate. That is because the alleged risk here that the city clerk will violate the ordinance when it requires a granting of a license is not a risk that flows from the language of the licensing standards at all, but rather a refusal to apply those objective standards. Mr. Nathan, would you explain to me how this generally operates with adult uh, shops? In In the film context, the film can't be shown. These were in the old days when they had censor boards. So there was a great impetus to have quick action. But here, I take it that the business was up and running, and it was the city that said you need a license. And my question is, do these questions, does the business start first and the city come in and say you need a license? Or does the entrepreneur wait until and, and apply for a license before starting up in business? Typically the latter, Your Honor. The entrepreneur would apply for a license and, assuming it is granted, would then start the business. So this is an atypical case where the business was running and the city came in and said, you need a license? This is a case where a business started and filed litigation at the same time as it started against the uh, city and federal court. I suppose the city could have sought to enjoin the operation of the business until it got the license. It didn't in this case, I take it. The city could have. Yes, Your Honor, the city did do that. The Friedman case uh, seemed to require prompt judicial determination, didn't it? Yes, it did, Your Honor. And it's your position that the subsequent case uh, involving PBS changed that standard? In the licensing context, a requirement of a prompt judicial decision Mm -hmm. we believe is unnecessary, and that's what FWPBS held. Well, that surprises me to hear. I didn't know that's what we had done. Well, the decision mentioned the availability of judicial review Mm -hmm. as the second Friedman standard. What what about the proposal some of the states have made whereby uh, a provisional license could be given pending the eventual judicial determination? The problem with the provisional license is twofold. First, 
it would allow the secondary effects that the licensing ordinance seeks to prevent while the provisional license is granted. And second, it would allow the business to drag its feet in court, whereas a business that needs a license has every incentive to pursue that. Well, if, if there's a danger of delay in litigation that, that both parties fear, and apparently you fear it, isn't that all the more reason that before you have a license which restricts the publication of allegedly lawful speech, um, that you should have a, a system for prompt judicial determination? But where you have an ordinance, Your Honor, that does not deal directly with speech, has separate objective licensing standards that do not have anything to do with speech, the government um, does not bear the burden of going to court first. But more importantly, the court should be able to determine if readily from a record that's created by the administrative process as to whether or not the decision to deny the license is a subterfuge to deny speech. And in that case, what happens is, is that a mandated judicial remedy would require courts to determine even those cases where the business is not claiming that there's a First Amendment reason for the denial. They're just claiming that the denial is incorrect. Well, I, I, you could, if we're sitting here drafting the model ordinance, which is the of course, part of the problem that I'm presented with so far as the respondents are concerned. But if you're if we're trying to envisage a model ordinance, just uh, account for that contingency. Saying our prompt judicial determination procedure applies only if there's a First Amendment claim. But I guess the question goes back to whether or not the risks justify imposing a mandated judicial deadline. How serious is the burden? And there are now a few circuits that have said that prompt judicial resolution, not merely access, is required. I think it's the fourth, sixth, and ninth. What has been the resolution there? What have cities done? Well, cities have been groping for a solution to that question. In Colorado, we would have a separation of powers issue. It's very difficult to engraft in Littleton's ordinance a requirement that courts that it does not control rule within a set period of time. Some of the uh, cities have attempted to uh, pass legislation. Some have attempted to create their own court systems. None of those uh, is guaranteed to work, and none of them are, we believe, mandated by the risk entailed. Any of the courts which have said that prompt disposition rather than just access. Uh, have they gone on to say that prompt appellate disposition, because presumably you can uh, appeal from the ruling of, of a superior court or a trial court, that that also is required? I do not believe they have held that, Your Honor. But I don't think that it is clear as to exactly how that is to be done. Because ordinarily, even if you get a prompt disposition in the trial court, you can wait, you know, a good year before you get a disposition on appeal. Yes, that's true, Your Honor. Has, the, has anyone suggested that you're — I don't know the, the merits of this uh, separation of powers problem that you raise, but has anyone suggested that the answer to that may simply be uh, not to try to directly control the courts to come down with a decision after X days or weeks or whatnot, but simply uh, have a kind of circuit-breaker provision that if they don't, 
the license will be deemed to be granted. Well, I, I think that that's in the nature of a provisional license, uh, which would be that after — It could be provisional. could be permanent. Uh, if, if, the, if the State doesn't want to move fast, um, uh, you would get the license in the meantime or, or, or perhaps get it permanently. But that would avoid separation of powers. But it would also create the secondary risk by having an unqualified applicant, since that is what we're talking about in the standards. Well, but we, we don't know. That's, that's the whole point. We don't know whether the applicant is qualified. That's why you're in court. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the way, in effect, I, to, it seems to me, to in, ensure your interest uh, is simply to, to have an encouragement to a prompt disposition. Uh, and if the machinery of the state cannot somehow pull itself together to give the prompt disposition, uh, then I don't know what you've got to complain about. But this Court has always presumed that the state courts will honor their obligations to review these types of cases and determine if there are First Amendment issues. Oh, I'm sure the state courts will, but I've come from a state court, and I, I, I know what, uh, what caseloads are. Uh, and unless there is an inducement to move quickly, uh, the, the state courts, uh, you know, may have obligations to other litigants and, and not move as fast as the, as the First Amendment would call for. But that's why uh, in Colorado the uh, Rule 106 gives the court the ability to, at its discretion, determine if accelerating the case is necessary. And in, in which case, then, if there were this kind of circuit breaker provision, uh, the, the courts would, would, would have every procedural basis for honoring it. But, of course, if the city doesn't bear the burden of going to court and it's the business that goes to court, it would then have every incentive to move as slowly as possible because it would automatically get a license, mm-hmm. even if it weren't I, I just didn't — would have every incentive to — I just Move didn't. slowly because it would — automatically get a license if a certain period of time went by, even if it weren't qualified under the objective standards of the ordinance. But it would have to have filed its appeal. It would have to have filed its appeal, but it would have every incentive not to ask that that Then, then simply have your circuit breaker saying if there's going to be an appeal, file the appeal within X days. And I mean, these are simply things that states can provide by, by law, it seems to me, without any great difficulty. That's true, and I guess the question is, is whether the risk entailed require that they be imposed on the cities who have these types of uh, licensing ordinances and who seek to prevent the secondary effects that well, this if, if you take the position that, in fact, the state should move promptly here, what is the state going to lose by, in effect, a fail-safe requirement that it must. On your theory, it's not going to be doing anything more than it ought to do in the first place. So, so we, would, we would be providing, uh, on your theory, for the outlier case. So what would, be the, what would be the reason for complaint here? Just that when the plaintiff goes to court, the business goes to court, it would have every incentive to, go, to try to go as slowly as possible whereas the incentive should be if it wants a quick decision for it to move to expedite, to, to uh, brief quickly and to argue quickly and ask the court for an expedited decision. And if one is not availing, to go up and ask the appellate court under our Rule 21 of the Colorado Appellate Rules to 
ordered the court to rule quickly. Mr. Nathan, I gather that a I gather from your brief that uh, your, your, your principal point, or at least a principal point in this case, is your contention that this case is different from censorship cases where the judgment is left uh, to a, uh, a board with, with no standards as to whether a particular movie can be shown or not. Their immediate review is necessary. Your claim here is that the matters that are determined by the administrative uh, uh, organ are not matters of censorship, but rather uh, uh, quite discernible physical and uh, um, um, practical points. What, what specifically uh, was the basis for turning down the, uh, uh, the license here? Well, the, there's never been an application for the license in this case. I see. Well, what, what would have been? What would have been the issues in, if the application had been filed? In point of fact, except for the, its location, it's in an improper zone, and it's within 500 feet of a church and daycare center. ZJ probably would have been granted the license, Your Honor. But they say they're not an adult business, and that's the preliminary characterization. I mean, they, they, they don't have a license. They didn't apply for one because they said, we don't need a license. We're not that kind of business. But, Your Honor, that issue was litigated fully in the district court, and the district court held that not only were they an adult business, but that their arguments to the contrary were essentially frivolous. Now, it took some doing in terms of discovery where we had to uh, provide photographs, videotapes, layouts, and accountants' determination of the amount of adult materials. But the district court ruled on that issue and found that they were unquestionably an adult business and even cautioned counsel about Rule 11 in their claim that they weren't. This is the federal district court. Yes, Your Honor. Is, is there no court, municipal level court in Colorado, as there was in Baltimore? I mean, the, re, the reaction of Maryland to the Friedman case was to set up a proceeding in the Baltimore City Court, and it did, had explicit timelines, and then it provided for an expedited appeal to the Maryland Court of Appeals. So, why? I, I thought that the FWPBS case said. We're not going to follow that the government has to go into court because it isn't like censorship. But the other two apply. So why don't you just, why isn't that the solution, the one that was adopted in Friedman for, for the proceedings in court? Well, there's a serious question in the issues before the Colorado Supreme Court now as to whether a municipal court can handle a 106 review or whether it has to be a district court from the state. But, again, if you eliminate the, what has been called the third Friedman requirement of requiring the government to go to court, then uh, since it, the, the business is the captain of that litigation, there's no reason to force the government to mandate a decision within a set period of time. Do you concede that the second Friedman requirement uh, demands that judicial review or that, that a judicial determination be concluded? I do not, I thought that that's the whole issue here, whether it's enough that you can promptly begin a suit or whether, in fact, what, what Friedman requires is that the suit has to be 
race through to uh, termination in these cases. Yes, Your Honor, and our position is, is that the elimination of the third requirement makes it more uh, rational to have the second requirement be prompt access and, a, and effective access to the courts. But everyone we, who complains about administrative action, adverse administrative action, has a right to promptly open the door. So that, if you read it to just to say access, then it essentially does nothing. In this case, however, and in many others, when you have clear objective standards, a quick exit from the administrative process, um, a record of the reasons for the denial, then access to the court is meaningful because a court can readily determine if there's a subterfuge to suppress speech through the licensing mechanism. And I suppose that interpreting the second requirement that way does prevent the administrative agency from delaying matters by simply delaying the issuance of its opinion. Exactly, Your Honor. May I ask this general question? Uh, I understand the standards are different, but just in terms of the procedure, if I applied for a license to run a dry-cleaning establishment, would I have a different procedural set of hurdles than this uh, litigant does? The, the licensing requirements in this case involve adult businesses. Right. And so I'm not sure of what sort of — No, the standards are different to qualify for — but I'm just wondering if you're denied the, the license, are you treated any differently than if I had applied for — to get a, into some entirely different business? I don't believe so, Your Honor. There's one curious um, feature in this, and maybe you could explain it to me. Apparently, this business was denied a sales tax license, and yet they were in business. They didn't apply for sales tax license until eight months after they opened. And by that time, because they had initiated litigation in the federal district court, we had already determined that they were clearly an adult business, and therefore they were denied the sales tax license because they were in an improper location, which is the only reason. Can a business start up and uh, a retail business without such a license? No, that's why they were cited in court. I'd like to reserve if there are no further questions. Very well, Mr. Nathan. Mr. Cole, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court, it is neither necessary nor appropriate to require licensing schemes like Littleton's to provide prompt judicial determination. It's not necessary because, as this Court's cases demonstrate, the type of judicial review required in licensing schemes must be correlated to the First Amendment concerns that the ordinances present. The First Amendment risks here are far less than the risks of freewheeling censorship that were at issue in Friedman and its progeny. The ordinance here does not license speech. It licenses businesses. Thus, prompt access is sufficient. In fact, it would be inappropriate to impose a judicial deadline requirement for at least three reasons. First, it would impede state and local efforts to control secondary effects. Second, it would offend notions of comedy and federalism by assuming that state judges will ignore their constitutional obligations to be sensitive to the First Amendment. And finally, it would require local officials to impose time limits on those over whom they have no control. Excuse me. Thus, both constitutionally and jurisprudentially, prompt access to meaningful review is all that the Constitution requires. The Friedman decision was motivated by two concerns, neither of which is present here. There is neither the the problem of unbridled discretion nor a risk of self-censorship. 
Unbridled discretion occurs <clears throat> only in two situations where you have either the possibility of administrative delay or standardless discretion. And as this Court has recognized in a number of cases, the latter, standardless discretion, presents unique challenges for judicial review. It makes sense in that context to require some type of judicial deadline because essentially meaningful judicial review on an expedited basis is impossible if there's no standard uh, to give any indication as to why the administrative decision was made. I, I suppose uh, that if we're concerned, as I, as I think the courts are concerned about protecting First Amendment rights, one thing we could do is just say that uh, if there's any apparent delay in determination, uh, district, United States district courts under 1983 are free to uh, are free to intervene at once. And, and Your Honor, if — I'm not I, sure if that helps you or if it helps the respondent. Well, 1983 is, of course, always available as a vehicle for someone that's asserting that their well, constitutional rights have been violated. Well, I, 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 would, I would think the municipalities and the states would raise the questions uh, uh, about deferring to state courts for determination of state law issues and so forth. Abstention doctrines, younger abstention, for instance, might come to play. Here the court — or, I'm sorry, the — uh, city waived uh, any abstention argument in order to allow the 1983 case to proceed. Potentially, it could have, notwithstanding the abstention argument, but, of course, there would be uh, the issue of abstention, which is one reason why prompt access to some type of state remedy is so important in, in the case if 1983 is not an effective vehicle. Of course, I guess we'd have to uh, <laughs> have either a statute, such as the statute that requires uh, federal district courts to expedite uh, criminal cases. I'm not sure a federal district court can both take the case and also bump it up to the top of its docket. Can they do that, leaving leaving behind people who have been waiting several years to be heard? I don't know that that will work without a federal statute. Well, and I guess at core, it doesn't matter whether you go to, to, to federal court under 1983 or to state court. Presumably, the sensitivity of the judge to the First Amendment concerns in both cases would be the same, and their willingness to move it to the front of the docket would be the same. We look, I mean, this Court has definitely in the past shown that where state courts are not sufficiently sensitive to First Amendment concerns, for instance, in the Skokie case, the Court demonstrated that it could fashion tools to handle what it felt as though was undue delay in the court system. But we've, we've also held that Federal courts are, should be very loath to intervene in ongoing state proceedings. Wait till the state proceeding is over, and then you can go to federal court. Absolutely. And in the Skokie case, it came up through the state court system and directly into this court rather than uh, via a district court model. But, but the point is, as long as you have prompt access, you're going to get access to a judicial official who's going to be sensitive to First Amendment concerns and, if necessary, has all the traditional tools of equity available to provide immediate relief. TROs, PIs. What does prompt access mean as opposed to um, or relaxed access? I, I just don't understand the content of prompt access if, if access is getting into court. That's easy. You file a complaint. Well, you need under state systems, most state systems have some form of um, um, requirement that, that the the court knows that the administrative process is over, so it knows it doesn't have to defer to the administrative process anymore. So by uh, having a clear exit, uh, as well as a, uh, a vehicle that's either prescribed by rule or by statute, so everybody knows the appropriate vehicle and there aren't any questions about the jurisdiction of the court to hear the matter, 
uh, as well as a record that, that they can use to make a, a prompt review when it gets before them, we would contend that that meets what this Court was talking about with respect to the second prong in FWPBS. Does the local ordinance provide a limit, time limit, for the administrative proceeding? Absolutely, Your Honor. Uh, well, what, and, is, what is that? Uh, I believe as it's currently drafted, it is um, up to about 40 days, but it could be even quicker than that. I say up to, there are certain periods of time within which the applicant can act within the next 10 days, and so if they act within the first day, then that would shorten the time frame either further. Do you think those administrative requirements are, uh, are mandated under the Constitution when First Amendment issues uh, are, uh, are present? A prompt administrative decision, yes, Your Honor. I believe that that comes from FWPBS as, as, as well as to the — I mean, FWPBS's interpretation of Friedman in the context of content-neutral licensing scheme. Well, why would you go that step, uh, unless you're being uh, — you just think you're forced to under our decision. Why would you go that step and, and — but, but then — uh, moot the whole thing out by having a, an un, a protracted judicial process. What, what sense does that make? Well, Your Honor, there's been no showing here that there would be a protracted judicial process. The no, no, but I, I, I asked you if, if, if you concede that there is a requirement of expedition at the administrative process, it, at the administrative level, it's, it then seems to me that it also follows there has to be one at the judicial level. Well, Your Honor, the, the question before the Court today, though, is what does — Littleton's or a town like Littleton's licensing scheme need to provide. There may be some independent constitutional obligations on state court judges to act promptly with respect to First Amendment concerns, but the question is, does that need to appear in the text of Do Littleton's ordinance? you concede that there are such obligations? I concede that, that courts uh, have an obligation under cases like Skokie to be sensitive to the time concerns that are presented by uh, First Amendment issues. I don't know that there's any. Mr. Cole, do you know whether there are any license, city licensing schemes that say if the, in the administrative proceeding it's determined that the license should issue and it is the city that's appealing, that then it has to be expedited? On the other hand, if in the administrative proceedings it's determined the license should not issue, then there, uh, the burden would be on the appellant applicant for the license to go forward? Um, I'm not aware of any such city ordinances. The California statute, which was passed as a result of the Ninth Circuit decision, I believe, allows either the city or the applicant to proceed to court whatever the licensing decision is, either the Tennessee or the, the I believe it's the California one. But, um, but I'm not aware of any city ordinances that do that. Um, the ZJ Gifts relies heavily, uh, page 18 of their brief, on a quote from um, Southeastern that says, A free society prefers to punish the few who abuse, abuse rights of speech after they break the law rather than throttle them and all others beforehand. To me, that puts a real point on the difference between the prior restraints that were issued in Friedman and Southeastern in cases like that and the situation here. That assumes we need to do some sort of sorting bad speech and good speech, and we want to know, should we do the sorting beforehand or after? And the court says, not surprisingly, let's let them talk, and then we'll punish the ones who uh, utter things that are not protected by the First Amendment. Here, there's no need to engage in that kind of sorting. Any adult business has the prospect for creating the secondary effects that this court has recognized in Renton and Young uh, and so it's not a matter of sorting them. It's a matter of if you're an adult business, you need a license, and that license might include requirements like where you can locate within the city. Well, it is a matter of sorting them to the extent you have to figure out what's an adult business. Now, you, you, you say that that issue is not in this case. 
maybe we don't decide very much if that issue is not in this case. Why isn't that uh, uh, well, Your Honor, I'd note sorting type issue? Uh, you claim you're not an adult business, in which case you're not even subject to this ordinance. Well, but if you're not subject to this ordinance, you're not going to be seeking judicial review under this ordinance. And you'll do what, what Z.J. Giffs did here, which is bring a facial challenge under the First Amendment before you've even subjected yourself to the licensing scheme. One would assume that the judicial review that we require to be part of the licensing scheme would be to deal with those cases that come up through the licensing scheme and to which the judicial review would then apply. If the, if the question is this ex ante, does it even apply to me, that will be litigated in a different forum than what we're talking about here. All of which is true unless the, the city chooses to do as it did not do here, and that is to enjoin the operation of the business in the absence of the license. Well, in a, if, they, if they seek to enjoin the business at that point, then you're right. They could raise the constitutional defense, presumably, that they would have. And at, at that point, then — Thank you, Mr. Cole. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Mr. Gross will hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The core policy in Friedman, recognized in this Court's decision, FWPBS, is that a decision to issue a license to present protected expression must be made within a brief specified period of time because undue delay results in the unconstitutional suppression of protected speech. But Friedman was actual censorship, and this is not that. That's correct, Your Honor. This doesn't involve a single film. This involves a determination by the licensing officer, in this case especially, of the content of an entire business. Well, are you saying that the, the claims of the owner here are just as urgent under the First Amendment as on Friedman? Because certainly PBS suggested they weren't. Uh, FWPBS did relax the third Friedman safeguard. There's no question about that. However, I think in the Court's analysis of what when the Court undertook that direction, the Court indicated that the license is the key to obtaining and maintaining a business. And that's why the, the why there's every incentive for a business to move forward with judicial review. And has, the there, has there ever been any proceeding here at all to determine what the issues are? Uh, there's been a lot of proceedings in this case, Your Honor, uh, as Mr. Nathan indicated. But, but they're all on a challenge to the overall constitutionality of the of the city ordinance? That, that's not entirely accurate, Your Honor. There, there was a nuisance case filed in the state court, in the Arapahoe County District Court, and the city, in fact, got an order in joining the operation of this business. It was brought on the basis of zoning violation, sales tax violation, and sexual and business violation. Is it, is it operating now, the business? The, the business is operating now. That order — On what basis? Well, what happened to uh, with regard to that state court case, there was an order in joining the, the operation of the business entered in September of 2001. The business made a motion for a state pending appeal. That motion was denied on December 27th of that year. There was a contempt hearing. The business was moved to be held in contempt. At the contempt hearing, the trial judge in the state court, for the first time hearing the case, he found that the business was not in contempt of court. In fact, the federal court determined in the light most favorable to the to the bookstore, that 33 percent of the business was allocated towards regulated adult items. The district court and state court, once he saw what was going on, there was testimony that 18 percent of the business was devoted to adult material, and the state district court made a determination that the business was not in contempt. In fact, the injunction order in state court was later reversed in the state court of appeals in February of last year. And so at the current time, there is no <laughs> injunction order. 
against the business. The business it, it, it seems to me that it's just um, much, much simpler for us to acknowledge, for the system to acknowledge, that there's a strong First Amendment interest here, so expedition is important. Rather than write some model ordinance, uh, you can go to federal. If, if the state isn't complying with that rule, go to the federal court. And, and there was a, fi- a facial challenge filed at the time the business was opened, back in August of 1999. They went to federal court first. The state did seek its remedies as a state court nuisance action and tried to shut down the business and was unsuccessful, ultimately. I, I'm just not sure why that is inadequate. If a federal judge thinks that the, the city, uh, that the state system is delaying matters and that speech is at risk, the federal court issued well, injunction. I mean, why should we write a model ordinance up here? Well, the federal courts are, I think, as indicated before, there's issues of abstention, comedy, and so forth, and those issues have come up quite a bit, especially if there's pending state court proceedings. Here, the, the state did go to state court. Um, the federal, you can always go to federal court to vindicate your First Amendment rights. Um, and in, that's what, we, what the business chose to do in this case on a facial challenge. I think once the case gets started, once you apply for a license and license is denied, you really need to go through the state court process. You, what, what, what is the problem in the case? I mean, I, I had thought, perhaps naively, that uh, the reason that one opinion used the word judicial access, prompt judicial access, and the other opinion used the word prompt judicial decision, is that there really isn't any difference between the two. Once you have prompt judicial access, the courts have loads of devices to give you a prompt decision. And if you feel the decision isn't prompt enough, well, you can ask the appellate court to make sure you get your quick decision. What's the problem? Well, I think Friedman said prompt judicial review means prompt judicial determination. I think the courts may have discretion to fashion a remedy, but, again, getting the case under the state court dockets, getting Once you say that, the courts have discretion to fashion the remedy, that's the end of it, isn't it? Well, of course, you get into court, and then it's up to the judge. And if, in fact, the judge, as I just said, delays unreasonably, you, like any other litigant, have a host of judicial remedies. So what is it? How do you win this case once you agree to what I just said? Well, the core policy behind Friedman, it was enunciated in FWPBS, is that delay could re- result in unconstitutional suppression of speech. And, in fact, We're all against delay. I mean, uh, I just don't — I mean, everybody's against delay. And my question is, what is it that you want in that respect that you haven't had. Well, in this case, there was an erroneous deprivation of the constitutional rights. There was. I mean, you have not had. You've had uh, unreasonable delay. Yes, and Aren't, isn't your client running his bookstore? The, the client. Then what's the delay? Uh, the client. There, there's no injunction order um, entered in this case. The delay is that on its face, that the, the ordinance needs to provide for prompt judicial review. Oh, that's a different matter. You think it isn't enough, the ordinary remedies. You want the ordinance to say in words judicial, prompt judicial review. That's contrary, I think, to what you just said. Well, I thought it does say prompt judicial review in the sense of access. Right. What doesn't it say? It provides rule 106, it provides for judicial review under rule 106 of the Colorado Rules of Civil Procedure. That process involves uh, judicial review, the record, 90 days for the record, Briefing schedules 30 days for each side 
15 You don't like the briefing schedule? Is that Well, the, the, the period of time takes — it's a very long time. It, the generally, judicial review, it's an appellate appeal to the district court. Well, a, a, municipal, a, a municipality in most states can't prescribe the procedures in a state — in a state court. That, that is correct, Your Honor. California, the legislature did enact a statute, as referred to by the state of Ohio. Uh, that it's not even clear that the legislature can do it in some states. Indeed, you know, I, I think there are limits uh, to what a legislature can tell a court. I think it can't tell a court to pump out a decision in 10 days. You think it, you think it can do that? I think it can. It, can, it depends on the court, on the state. Well, why would you uh, think under the Constitution that an adult bookstore uh, has to have something written into an ordinance, which it's entitled to, a, a fast decision. I agree with you about that. But why does it have to have it written in an ordinance when a person who's put in prison arbitrarily, who also should have a very speedy decision, is required to rely on ordinary court processes to get that speedy decision? Well, under the First Amendment, um and this is not a free, this is not directly on Freedman, the censorship of a single item. However, decisions of administrative officials, certainly administrative officials, are subject to much greater pressures. Yeah, to but censor. the administrative procedures the city provides here all have these prompt deadlines. You, but, and, and your business did not apply for that. It just opened its doors, apparently. It went to court. It did file a federal case. It did open its doors. The city's been very, and the business knew when it did that, that it was omitting the city review altogether, although it had been uh, available very promptly. So I, it's, it's hard to get a focus on what, how, how your client's been hurt. The city, well, the city indicated before the business opened its doors that it, it perceived it to be an adult business before they even opened their doors. They said, we've heard you're coming to town and we think you're an adult business. And uh, so that, and then the city did deny a sales tax license on the basis that it was an adult business. They won't define what that means. They won't put any any indication what those terms actually well, mean. This, this goes maybe over the same ground. But let's assume that in the in the circuit court, in in, in the, say in the tenth circuit, it's recognized that uh, licensing restrictions that apply and, and and permit requirements that apply to First Amendment materials uh, are most sensitive. And the, and the courts of the circuit, uh, both the district courts and the court of appeals, are are very faithful in in uh, uh, implementing in implementing that rule. Why do we have to have an ordinance? You go to the federal court and say speech is being chilled, speech is being suppressed, as unreasonable lay. The court says, I agree. Well, I, I guess in the case we'd have to wait. A an unreasonable period of time to, to initiate that case. And I think 37 photographs talks about the no, it's a whole, no, the, whole, the whole premise of my question. Maybe you're going to tell me it's hypothetical. The whole premise is the federal courts are open to hear claims of unreasonable delay that's, that uh, chills the uh, expression of speech. The federal courts are open to that. I, I would agree with that. Certainly if there's state court proceedings pending, there may be issues of abstention that we talked about before. Mr. Gross, can I ask you sort of a, a basic question that I haven't really thought through? Should there be a different time schedule for the person who wants to operate just an ordinary bookstore, just sells textbooks for schools and, and uh, trade books on the one hand, and an adult bookstore on the other hand? Would one of them be entitled to more prompt review of his license application than the other? I, I would 
Yes, Your Honor. I think under FWPBS, uh, the court indicated that there was an additional burden placed upon adult bookstores and that Friedman so had to be provided with. you think the Constitution commands more prompt treatment of an application by an adult bookstore than by an ordinary bookstore? I, I think it, there's, you get into the issue of, con, of some kind of content, correlated content-based uh, restriction. It may be based upon non-content-based uh, factors. Do you need a license to open an ordinary bookstore in Littleton? No, you don't. Not a special license. You need a sales tax license. Every Restrictions. You, I'm sure you can't open it next, in the middle of a residential neighborhood, can you? A commercial business, you can't open. I mean, anywhere. There, there's no zoning? There, there's an adult zoning provision. Well, well, there's not just an adult zoning. I assume there's a commercial zoning. Commercial zoning, that's well, correct. Well, so, so they, they can't open it anywhere. They have to go through a procedure. They have, to, they have to go through the commercial procedure. Yeah, be approved for commercial zoning. What, what is the commercial other than... If they're, if they're going to set it up in a place where you can have businesses, in other words, there isn't the same license requirement for these two businesses. There's a special licensing requirement for adults, bookstores, because of their secondary effects. Yes. What do you mean a special licensing? You mean there's special zoning requirements? What else besides special zoning requirements? I assume there are special zoning requirements for, uh, I don't know, sulfur factories and, and uh, you know, all sorts of things. Certainly. And slaughterhouses. There's commercial slaughterhouses. zones. Slaughterhouses. Sure. Sure there are. So what? Commercial zones and they're non and they're residential zones, right. certainly. Right. And, so, uh, I mean, this is just uh, uh, the city's decided that it doesn't — and we said it's perfectly reasonable for the city to say that, that we, we don't want too many of these and we want them in certain areas. And — and, that and it can say that about slaughterhouses? Cer- certainly, and about adult bookstores. And, and in fact, th- there was a challenge to the adult zoning in this case, and the Tenth Circuit upheld the adult zoning. And these bookstores are limited to less than 1 percent of the area of the city of Littleton. Is this, this bookstore now operating in a place where it isn't permitted to be under the L- Littleton ord- ordinance? It's uh, the location, yes. It's operating, it's, uh, if the city says it's an adult bookstore, it's it's in a, in a proper zone. It's not an adult yeah. bookstore. If if the bookstore is determined to be an adult bookstore, it's in an improper zone. If it is not an adult bookstore, it is in a proper zone. It's in a location which was formerly occupied by a fast food restaurant on a highly. And you take the position that if you just sell 18 percent of the merchandise is adult, then it doesn't qualify. I don't understand. That that was what the uh, Arapahoe County District Court ruled. We. We were trying to ascertain what the term substantial significant means. The city refuses to uh, provide any def- definitive determination of what that means. So we had to go to court, and that's what the court determined in that particular case. Now, what I don't understand is you, you are concerned about the, the efficacy of judicial review. You picked your forum. You, you picked the federal court rather than the state court. Yes. You got a review of that ordinance, every piece of it for constitutionality. I don't understand what complaint you have now about judicial review, having had judicial review in the federal court and having had the federal court uphold most of this ordinance. So you've, you've had judicial review. How, how, how are you a proper complainant? about what access you might have had in the state courts if you chose to go there. Well, we've, we brought the facial challenge in the, in the federal court. Uh, there is 
And there is a continuing injury in this case. The, uh, the business has been cited with 2,620 violations of the licensing ordinance. And uh, in the event the court, the law is declared unconstitutional, those, those violations would go away. Each carries a $1,000 fine, so there's potentially $2 million you, in fines. The, the, the unconstitutional area left is this prompt judicial review. But you've already had judicial review. That's why I don't understand what is your current complaint. The current complaint is it's, we brought the facial challenge on the basis that it doesn't comply with FWPBS and Friedman. And uh, there was — somebody else might not get prompt judicial review, and that's enough to strike down the ordinance, right? That's what the facial well, challenge a, is all about. Yes, okay. Your Honor. Okay. Your real, I mean, compla- this, real complaint is we granted certiorari, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, 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 would, we, would, we would be happy to live with the Tenth Circuit order, for sure. I have yes. to confess to another problem. As I understand part of your argument, you're contending you're not an adult bookstore, an adult establishment, aren't you? That's correct. So you're contending you don't have challenge standing to challenge the ordinance. Well, the city says we do. <laughs> uh, but you, we do have st- — there is an injury in fact in this case because the city has initiated 2,620 license violations up to $2 million in fines in the municipal court. That, that's a real injury. And, uh, I mean, this isn't the case like Pabst or like Waukesha. Because you decided to go into business without getting a license, which is, might have been a fairly reckless thing to do, I would think. Well, we went to federal court, and the, the city, you know, did pursue their claims in state court. Certainly, I mean, the business can't be faulted for too much for being in business. I mean, in the Waukesha case and in the uh, Pabst case, those businesses were out of business. I mean, is, this is what you're saying, that there is a reliance interest on the part of these businesses? They should know uh, that there is a... Uh, an efficient licensing procedure with judicial review so they can factor into their costs uh, of, of doing business, whether or not uh, they can afford, say, three months of expedited litigation and that this is a, a First Amendment interest. That's correct, Your Honor. The, with regard to a bit, an ongoing business as opposed to an individual work of art, Getting the license is key. It's key to the to the uh, ability to maintain a business. And so, an investor, an entrepreneur trying to start a business, hire employees, get a location, supply inventory, needs an assurance that there will be a decision within a specific period of time by a court. This is not your run-of-the-mill administrative decision. This this involves a First Amendment issue uh, based upon content of the speech, based upon this ordinance that is focused. On Upon one class of businesses that pervade. If, if, if the states know that the, uh, that the penalty they suffer for not doing that is having to uh, submit themselves to federal court litigation, where the federal courts really uh, sweep abstention aside and so forth because of the urgency, I guess that's maybe the decision that states should make. Well, I think the states, they need to, uh, it's our position they need to expedite the judicial review and, and the provisional license doesn't really solve the problem. I would note that the municipal court, municipalities do have the ability to, to enact laws to have review in the municipal court. In fact, last week I just went through a process where there's a requirement that review occur within 75 days of an administrative decision. I was in Aurora, Colorado, and that ordinance is attached to our response for the petition for rehearing in the 10th Circuit. Are you content with review in municipal court? No. Well, it depends no, how it comes so. out, but, but uh, certainly, uh, <laughs> but cer- and because, and we're, we may well prevail in that case, but certainly we have a right to an appeal. In this case, we prevailed on the appeal in the court of, State Court of Appeals and the Tenth Circuit on this issue. If the, if the municipal court was good enough in Friedman where you had a real censorship problem, 
why shouldn't it be adequate, entirely adequate, for adult bookstores? It may well be, Your Honor. I think there, we, you know, in, in that case, there may, it may be, it may well be adequate, uh, if there's an independent judicial officer as opposed to a, a licensor, you know, going back to the Printing Act of 1662, a licensor of speech of a bookseller, and here the definition of adult bookstore is, is really dim and uncertain. We don't know what yeah, it but, means. But we're not talking about censorship. I mean, we're not talking about a licensor who says you can sell this book or you can't sell it. We're not talking about a licensor that talks about a specific book. We, is the muni- when you're talking about a municipal court, do you mean the municipal court, say, of the city of Littleton or a municipal court created by the state of Colorado? This would be the city of Littleton municipal court, uh, or the city of Aurora was the one I was referring to before. But would you explain one um, puzzling thing? Mr. Nathan told us that the district court said, of course they're an adult bookstore. That's so clear. On that basic characterization, whether you are or are not adult business, the federal court, according to Mr. Nathan, said you were an adult business. Is that over and done with now? So what you're left with is you are an adult business and you have to get it licensed? On that date, I mean, that was the federal court's decision. The Tenth Circuit did affirm the decision, a little bit less harsh terms than the district court, but certainly the decision was affirmed. That is the final determination in this part of the case. And the yet business- you're still operating in a place where you can't be if you are an adult business. Well, in response to that court order, the business has changed its operation quite a bit. This is not a, a theater. This is not an arcade. This is not a cabaret with live entertainment. This is a store that has a certain percentage of its stock and trade in regulated adult material. It reduced that number. It created a separate section. It's tried to comply with the city. It is willing to comply even further. As but long that issue is not before us and isn't open. That's been decided, hasn't yes. it? Yes. So we can take this case and decide it on the basis this it, it is an adult bookstore we're talking about. Yes. That must get a license. Yes. So we don't have to get tangled up in this other business, do we? No, we don't. No, no, the court does not. Um, I would note that, however, the, ci- the city says that there's no discretion in this case, that it's purely a ministerial decision, and to the extent that the, there's inherent vagueness in the definition of substantial and significant, it indicates that a licensing official can, in fact, exercise judgment and exercise but some But that discretion. issue is not here. That, that's it's correct. I'm just I thought we were just I thought we took the case to decide whether the requirement for prompt judicial review means prompt judicial decision at the end of the day or just prompt access to the review. And it, 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 there's a split of authority on that point. Yes. And that, that is. And that's we, what we took the case to decide. Yes. Not whether there's substantial discretion or not. No. No, that's. I'm just trying to counter their argument, but certainly it really doesn't matter if there's discretion or not. It's our position that even if there's not discretion, there needs to be a prompt judicial determination. The licensors are subject to many pressures. They're they're humans. It's a human situation, and as the Tenth Circuit recognized, these businesses are very unpopular. These businesses can be subject to uh, the discretion in in the decision. There needs to be a problem. You know, I'm not sure whether that that helps or hurts your case. I mean, what what I find really peculiar is that if, you know, some homeowner uh, uh, has another child, needs to put in a new bedroom in the home, that person has to go through the normal zoning procedures and get, you know, get get uh, approval from the the electrician licensing board and everything else, and then go through normal judicial review. 
Likewise, if a new hospital is, uh, seeks to uh, locate, they, they have to go through zoning and all the other approvals and then through normal judicial review. And, and what you're arguing is that somehow adult bookstores are, are, are so significant to the, uh, to the life of the community because of the First Amendment that, that we have to give them special treatment. You know, I, I have to wait two years before I can uh, put in my bedroom, but the adult, adult books tour goes right to the head of the line. Well, that seems to me very strange, and if, if that's where we've arrived at, uh, we, we ought to retrace our steps, perhaps. Well, I would — those are laws of general application. And certainly an adult bookstore, if it went through the normal process, would have to go through the same process if it's any other bookstore or any other commercial business or, or the residential person adding an addition. In this case, they've created a special burden upon adult bookstores. The city, if the adult bookstore opens, or any bookstore opens, and doesn't follow along with these with these particular the, codes. The only burden is as to location, is it not? That there's additional burdens in terms of licensing fees, inspections, applications. Um, there's additional burdens for hours of operation, for cabarets and arcades have additional uh, Restrictions, regulations that but don't apply those, to this. But those really don't raise First Amendment concerns, do they? The fact that you might be limited in your hours, you couldn't go past 2 p.m., 2 a.m.? Arguably, they raise First Amendment concerns in terms of time, place, and matter arguments, and I think there may, there's a case out of the Ninth Circuit, it may be before this Court, on a cert petition with regard to an hour's operation. That they arguably raise that there are additional burdens, just like in FWPBS. There was an additional burden placed upon these stores on, by virtue of the content of the material that is sold and distributed from the bookstore. Now, there's been many proceedings in state court in this case, and that's, that's what we've talked about. The court of, in fact, there was an injunction issued, and the state has the power to enforce laws of health, safety, and welfare against the bookstore. About the sales tax, you're still operating without a sales tax license, but you're selling things. We, we have worked out an agreement with the city where they do pay the sales tax. They did not grant the license, but we have managed to resolve that issue. Um, the, the store has been collecting sales tax and has been paying the sales tax. But the city, and at the current time, the city has not moved to uh, follow up on their, their nuisance case in state court to enjoin for not having a sales tax license. Of course, that, that is based upon the de- whether the definition of the store is, is adult or not adult. But the city remain, retains the power to, to enforce the law through nuisance cases, just like any other case in time on, with regard to health, safety, and welfare of businesses. Not enforce the licensing law, enforce the secondary, go after the secondary effects with nuisance laws. Uh, they could enforce those, too. The license, the zoning law would be a secondary effects law, and there, at this point there is no injunction in state court. The city is not proceeding on that case at this point. It was, there's an injunction issued based upon the state court order, excuse me, the federal court order. That injunction was reversed on appeal in the state court. Um, there's been litigation on all different fronts in this case, in state court, district court, municipal court, as well as the federal court. Of course, we're here on the federal case. Sounds like you've got a lot of access. <laughs> we do. There, it's a, you can file a lawsuit. I mean, there's certainly you can. You have a right to file a lawsuit everywhere you can, and we've, we've 
there's been lawsuits filed by both the city. The city had access on the uh, on the injunction case. There was a stay denied. In fact, after after the injunction was issued, I mean, this business has been fighting to stay open. It's been fighting. And has stayed, in fact, stayed open, unlike the case in Waukesha and Paps, you know. I mean, it's clear municipalities have taken every opportunity to try to regulate these businesses, try to put in every obstruction possible with regard to getting these businesses to, to be closed down. Now, the issue, the answer to the question before this court is that the essential constitutional requirement, and that was identified in, in the FWPBS case as an essential requirement, is that prompt judicial determination does actually mean prompt judicial review, does mean prompt judicial determination without an actual disposition. It didn't say it. In, it said prompt judicial review, whatever that meant. Uh, that's correct, based upon Friedman. And if, if we take it back to Friedman, you read Friedman, and Friedman does indic- did provide a right of access, a right of appeal, and talked about judicial review interchangeably with prompt judicial determination, disposition, and so forth. Now, without an actual judicial di- disposition, the administrative officials will have the power to shut down an entire business, not simply a single work of art, but it will be a, an entire business. If there is an error, I wouldn't have guessed. If there is an error with regard to to uh, what is what the licensing official says. That's why prompt judicial review is so important in this case. The erroneous deprivation of the speech rights will will cause irreparable injury, and that's the core policy behind the Friedman case. Now, in the absence of prompt judicial review, the, the status quo will be silence. In this case, the bookstore went to court and get, got the access. But, and the trial court will be understandably reluctant to alter the status quo of silence. And that is essentially the default position of any trial court. So without an explicit statement from this court with regard to the second prime of Friedman, uh, it's not, I, I think it's difficult to assume that a state court with, with its heavy docket will actually provide a prompt decision. Is there any experience in that regard? Uh, this ordinance has been on the books for a time. Have the state courts been dragging their heels? Well, th- yeah, this law was enacted in 1993. It's been amended many times. In this case, um, the state nuisance action was filed in January of 2000, and the district court issued its order in September of 2001, and that order was reversed in February of 2003. That's the normal course of, of events in a state court litigation. The city did not move for a preliminary injunction. They did move for contempt. It took a few months to get the contempt heard. And once the contempt was heard, it came out in favor of the bookstore. So uh, that's, that's the experience in this case. This is the only adult business that's ever existed in the city of Littleton. There's never been one before. There were apparently a couple of massage parlors about 10 years ago. And um, the city has put it. Thank you, Mr. Gross. <clears throat> Mr. Nathan, you have two minutes remaining. Unless there are any questions, I have, uh, I feel no need for rebuttal. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Nathan. The case is submitted. We'll hear.